you would, please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 98, and then place your finger there and turn over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. We'll be looking at both of those passages this morning as we continue to look at the topic of worship and how we as believers are called into that. Um, as you're turning there, I just want to say a heartfelt thank you for those that um, reached out and, and uh, expressed your prayers and um, your blessings over camp, children's camp this week. We had a wonderful camp. It was so, uh, so amazing to be with 140 kids and numerous volunteers and, and families um, as we worshiped together, as we had fun together, as we uh, heard the word together, and uh, we, we couldn't have really asked for a better camp. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, but we are thankful to be back. I'm thankful to be sleeping in my own bed. I am thankful to be going to bed at a reasonable amount of time um, and uh, slowly but surely getting my voice back after a week of camp. Um, but uh, I did want to say thank you for those that you prayed. It was, it was fantastic. Hopefully by now you've found um, our two passages, Psalm 98 and Colossians chapter 3. And so if you would, please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word this morning. Psalm 98, probably a psalm that you may not have been able to quote off the bat, but once you hear it, you're probably going to recognize quite a bit of what you, what you see there on the page. It says, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together for before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Turn with me then to Colossians chapter 3. Single verse there in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that it presents to us. We thank you for its guidance, for its encouragement, for its commands, for its calls. We thank you that through your word we know you better, that we can have a relationship with you. Through it that we know how, to, how you have called us to live and called us to worship. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and friends to focus upon you. Father, we ask this morning that you would help us not just to listen well, 
but that you would help us to hear well. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A couple other things about camp before we get started. You'll notice that my voice may be a little gravelly. I promise you I have not been smoking this week. I have just been with 140 kids. Also, my brain is about as mush as it can be. So if I misspeak, I ask for much, much grace this morning. But as we continue to look at worship this week, uh, we have been looking at how God created us for this thing. He created us that we would worship him. And not only that, that we as creation would worship, but especially for those of us that that say that we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have been called to worship. It is a command upon our lives that we would worship him well, that, uh, that we would proclaim to him his great worth, that we would be reminded ourselves of his great worth, and that we would let others know through our worship of his great worth. Which leads us to kind of where we've been these last few weeks as we've been trying to, to get a better grasp, a, a, a better handhold on this topic of worship that, that if we are made, if we are called, if we are commanded to do this thing, that we would understand exactly what it is. And so um, several weeks ago, we, we kind of had a working definition, so to speak, of worship, that it, worship is placing supreme value upon God. The act of worship itself is placing supreme value on God, helping uh, us to remember what his supreme value in our life, putting, putting him first in all things, proclaiming to him his supreme value to us, just as if you had a, a loved one or, or an individual in your life that you loved a lot, that you would want to make sure to communicate to them their extreme value to you. And then also that as we do that, as we place supreme value, as we lift him up, that we also put in front of others his supreme value, that they would be interested, that they might desire that. It was interesting as we were uh, at camp this week, any time one child found something and they made that, they were like, ooh, look at this. Like, it was amazing how everybody wanted that. Um, one kid catches a fish on a certain type of lure, and now every kid's got to have that type of lure, right? We're naturally uh, attracted to, to things that people make a big deal of and that seem to, to be working in the same way. When we make a big deal of God, when we declare his greatness, other people are attracted to that, and some of them at least are going to want that. And then they're going to turn around and be called to worship as well. And so we ask several questions. Who do we worship? Why do we worship? Where? With whom? When? All of those things. In the last several weeks, we've been looking at the hows. And we started with the word. We worship through the word of God. That God in his great wisdom and through his grace has given us something quite precious. He has given us his words. You can think of it in some ways as a letter to us that he has written that we would know more about him, that we would know more about ourselves, and that we would know how we can have a relationship with him and how we can live this life the way that it was intended to be lived. And so as we understand the great value of what we hold, then we can worship through it by, by holding it close, by obeying it, by focusing upon it. All of these things, as we, as we do them together and as we do them individuals, show the great value of God when we value his word. 
We talked last week about prayer. That as we hear the word, that we should have a desire to respond to it. Just as when you write a letter, there is an expectation that something will come of it. In the same way, when God gives his word, there's an expectation that, well, something will come of it. And so one of the responses that we give is prayer. It's just us talking to God. We, we looked at how when we pray consistently, we make much of him. When we pray consistently, we're reminded of our dependence upon him. When we pray consistently, we remind others of our dependence upon him. When we pray consistently, we are reminded that he's the one in control and not ourselves. And so the more that we do that, the more that we see his value, the more that we comprehend it, and the more that we know we need him. This week, we turn our attention, as has already been said several times, to singing. We turn our attention to how do we worship through song. Now, this one is interesting in that when you think of, uh, when, you, when you approach the American church especially, we have in many ways made the word worship and the act of singing almost the same thing. That we have com- almost combined those two words. If I were to go out in our congregation, and my guess is most congregations in the United States, and I were to ask individuals, what is the first word you think of when you hear the, what is the first word you think of when I say worship? Their, pr- their response for many, if not almost all of them, is going to be music or singing. We- we've just combined those two things. And so that's one reason that Nathan and I have tried to be careful in our vocabulary this summer when we talk about worship to include in that worship through the word, worship through prayer, worship through uh, song, certainly worship through uh, generosity and serving. And we're going to talk about many, many more of those because worship expands far beyond just singing. At the same time, I, while I don't want to overplay singing and the the use of music in worship. I also don't want to underplay it because worship has the ability to do things and to teach us and to remind us of things and to accomplish things that other forms of worship do not or do not do as effectively or efficiently. And so there is an amazing thing that God has built into us with music that we want to pay attention to. And so this morning, we're going to use these two passages, Colossians 3.16 and then Psalm 98, to just look at what is the call to sing? What, what is important about music and worship? How is it worship? And then how should we be singing? And so if you'll start by looking with me again at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, that's where we're going to start this morning in our passages. So read it again. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You'll notice as we look at the call to sing, and and I'm using the word call, but we could even use the word command. As we look at this command to sing in Colossians, that it starts with the word. He starts off by saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Why do you think he starts with the word? Because singing, much like prayer, is a response to God in what we see and learn in his word. That as we sing, it comes out of the things that we have experienced in God's scriptures. 
And so when we start in the word, when we start with a a learning about who he is and what he's done in our life, and we begin to experience that more and more, it builds in us a need to respond. So we start with with the word, just as we started in the sermon series, with that, that locale. But then there's something else that happens. And it's interesting because it ties in with what we talked a little bit about last week. He says, let the word, I'm going to back up to verse 15. It says, and be thankful. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. And then he talks about letting the word of Christ dwell in you. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. So he says, this call to sing, we see a call to the word. We also see a call to thankfulness. Much like what we saw in Thessalonians when there is a call to prayer and that prayer is um, absolutely inundated with thankfulness, no matter what type of prayer we're doing, that we are called to be thankful in all things in the same way when we are called to sing and when we sing well, it comes best out of a heart of thankfulness. And, And when God turns our attention to that, He is turning our attention back to him. He's changing our attitudes and our thoughts. It is very hard to stay in a a poor attitude, in a poor state of mind when we are trying to be thankful. It is hard to hold on to grudges and and, uh, old, uh, old wounds when we are being reminded and thinking clearly on the things that we can be thankful for. And so... As we put these two things together, as we put the Word of God and a heart of thankfulness together, what we find is what is born out of these two things is singing. When we see the Word and what it proclaims to us, the gospel, the good news that God has created us and that despite our sin, despite our rebellion, that he has made a way through the blood of Jesus Christ for us to have a relationship in all eternity in heaven forever and ever and ever. We see those things and we become more thankful for those things. What is born out of that is a desire to proclaim who he is and what he's done. And one of those ways is singing. And so Paul says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing. This isn't the only place that we see in the New Testament or the Old Testament where this command is given. We are called, we are created, whether we have a, what we would consider a beautiful voice or not, we are called and created to sing. I want to Just touch on this for a second. We're not going to spend a ton on this time, but notice that he says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He says, sing all different types of things. You think about it, the psalms of of the day, these are the psalms of Scripture, the same psalms that we're reading, except for them, they would have been in a language that they understood, and those, those poems, as we read them, would have made sense as tunes. They would have recognized the music that went along with them. These are the spiritual songs that they cut their teeth on, so to speak, on their grandmother's knees that they heard these over and over and over again. And some of them may have looked at those psalms and said they're dated, they're old. But Paul is saying, go back and sing them because they are inspired 
And they speak of God's greatness and of his existence. And they speak of the human experience in a way that is tried and true. Go back and sing the Psalms. Sing the old stuff. At the same time, he says, sing the hymns. What were the hymns? The hymns were those songs that were being written by the early church that were proclaiming a new covenant, a new way of knowing God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we see examples of them. If you read the letters of Paul and Peter, for very long, those guys include in them hymns, things that were being written in the day. And they include parts of them. Because when you include a part of a song, generally it calls the whole song together. If I were to start singing, we all live in a yellow submarine, a yellow submarine, a yellow submarine. You know that whole song probably. And it reminds you of a time and an age and an era and there's something that clicks. And so if I include that, immediately you laugh, partly because I am horrible at singing, partly because it reminds you of something it reminds you of a time. It reminds you of a, of a situation. And so Paul includes the, the writing of the hymns. He includes just a, a line because he wants you to remember the whole context that's going on. He says, sing the hymns, sing the new stuff. Sing the song, sing the old stuff. Sing the hymns, sing the new stuff. Sing the spiritual songs. Those that are, are repetitious, those that are, are just simple, but they are things that help us to remember the great truths of Scripture. Sometimes a song doesn't have to be deep. Sometimes it, it can just be something simple. I think of the songs that we teach our children. Noah's Ark, Jesus loves little children. Jesus loves me. Those aren't, there's, no, there's not a whole lot of great depth there, though the more you ponder it, there certainly is. If you meditate upon it, there's great depth. But the words aren't complicated. The vocabulary in those, word, in, in those songs isn't hard to remember. And yet those are the songs that teach our children some of the greatest truths that they will ever learn. Sing the spiritual songs. Sing the, sing the, things, that I've, sing the things that we are given doesn't matter what the tune is. It doesn't matter necessarily what the instruments that are being played. It matters the words that are coming out of our mouths and the heart with which we sing together. Sing it all. Sing it well. So the, second, so the first question is, uh, we have a call to sing. We also must look at how this is worship. How is it that singing is worship? If Turn back with me to Psalm 98. We look at Colossians chapter 3 to answer the question or to look at the command, the call to sing. In Psalm 98, we see the work of singing. We see how singing is worship. Singing is worship in that it shows God's worth first in teaching. It shows God's worth in teaching. Look at Psalm 98. Look at the first few verses. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And then you look at the end of the passage as well, verse in verse 9, he says, Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world 
with righteousness and the peoples with equity. What is that song doing? What is that psalm attempting to do? It's teaching us. It's teaching us about who God is. It's teaching us about what he is doing, that he is working out his salvation among his people. It's reminding us that someday, someday the Lord will return and he will judge the entire world and it will be fair. It will be equitable. It will be even. It's one of the things I learned uh, this week at children's camp is there is a great desire for fairness, okay? Great desire for fairness until it's actually applied, okay? Fairness is a great idea until we actually say, okay, let's be fair, and then all of a sudden being fair isn't all that fun or all that great anymore. Sometimes we need that reminder too. The gospel, the gospel is not fair, Fairness is that he is coming in judgment, that we all will stand before a holy God and give account of what we have done in our lives. And all of us have rebelled against the King of kings and the Lord of all, lords. All of us have lied. All of us have, have stolen in some manner. All of us have disobeyed our parents. All of us have looked at the, the law of God in some way or some fashion and said, I don't need it. I can live life better. I don't need a king. I don't need a Lord. Fairness would be for him to judge, as what he is saying here in verse 9, for him to judge us equitably. And yet, what has he done? He steps in and he dies for us that he may show grace to us. Good songs, good songs, whether they be psalms or whether they be hymns or whether they be spiritual songs, a good song teaches us. It teaches us, and as it teaches us, it reminds us of the great value of who God is. Singing also shows God's worth in testimony. You look here Again, at the first verse, he says, Oh, sing the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. You go down to verse 4. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in joyous song and sing praises. We could, and you go through all of the Psalms, and what you see over and over and over again is that David and others, as they write these songs, as they proclaim who God is, one of the things that they are doing is talking about what God has done in their lives, that he has given salvation to them, that they have experienced his grace, that they've experienced his powerful hand, that they have experienced what it's like to walk with him and talk with him. In the same way, when we sing songs, good songs, the ones that mean the most to us often are those that give a testimony of what we have seen and experienced in the Lord. I shared earlier with the kids, one of my favorite songs is Come Old Fount of Blessing. And the last verse in particular is a testimony of my life prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Lord, take my heart and seal it for that courts above. It's part of my testimony. I wish it wasn't. But part of my testimony is that I am human 
and given to my own desires, I will wander. Given to my own whims, I will walk away from things. And there was a time in my life when I walked away from things as much as I possibly could. And yet the Lord was gracious. The Lord was kind to bring me back. To show me grace. To show me forgiveness. To continue to walk with me. We show God's worth in singing testimonies. It's why, you know, we at times we've had different people share testimonies of what God's doing in their life. And for some people that's easy. For some of you it may be much easier for you to sing a testimony than it is for you to speak a testimony. And I hope if that's the case that you will do that. Not that we want to bring glory to ourselves, not, we, not that we would show, hey, look how wonderfully, wonderful I am, but that we would rather use the gifts and the talents and the makeup that we have been to show how great he is. Maybe you need to testify through music. Singing shows God's worth in teaching, it shows it in testimony, and it shows it in togetherness. Going back to Psalm 98. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Going up to uh, verse 6, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. The call to sing is not just a call to the individual, though it is a wonderful experience and some of the greatest moments of of bonding with the Lord have been moments where I've been in the car or I've been in the woods or I've been in a boat by myself and just praising the Lord as he brings scripture to my mind and as he brings songs to my mind and, and worshiping him by myself. Greater still is when he pulls me into the body of Christ and we sing together. We proclaim his truth together. We proclaim our testimonies together through good songs. And there is great value when others step into that realm and they see us singing well. And they think, well, what in the world? I know, I know Joe over there doesn't sing well, and yet look at him go. Look at him proclaiming. Look at him making a noise. I know Sally over there, I know she doesn't have the most beautiful voice in the world, but man, when you mix it in with these other hundred or so folks, it sounds wonderful. There is beauty, as Nathan said earlier, when the church comes together and sings, and it makes people come towards it. And so it's worship and teaching and testimony and togetherness. And so the question is, if we have been called to sing, if we've been commanded to sing, if singing is clearly worship, if it's clearly making much of him, then how should we go about it? How should we go about it? And again, this has more to do with the heart. It has more to do with the mind than it does with the type of song. But we should do it thankfully. We see this in Colossians in the text that we, wrote, we read earlier. Multiple times Paul says in verse 15 and 16, be thankful as you do these things. We see it in, in Psalm 98. 
As you read through that psalm, you cannot help but get a sense of the great thankfulness that the writer has of the salvation that God has given and of all the things that surround him. As we sing, we should be a people of thankfulness. We should also sing thoughtfully. We should sing thoughtfully. It's easy for us sometimes to, as we sing, to just repeat words that are on a screen. It's easy for us to recognize tunes that we have sung over and over and over again and to never really think about, what am I saying? What am I doing right now? I think of so many times that um, me and my friends have laughed about, you'll hear a a pop song or, or something come over the radio and you'll be singing it and someone will stop and say, have you ever really thought about what that song means? And so you sit down and you read the lyrics and you're like, number one, we're singing the wrong lyrics. That's not actually what it says. Number two, how many times that you read the lyrics and you're like, and when you see them on black and white on paper, you're like, holy crud, why am I singing this song? Like it's not, it's not about what I think it's about at all. Like there's a meaning here that goes beneath the words that I don't agree with at all, that I, I shouldn't be singing this. I remember doing that to my mom one time. This is probably a story I shouldn't tell, but I remember doing that to my mom one time and saying, have you ever actually listened to the words of that song? And she's like, no. And I'm like, go read them. And like I can watch her turn red. I was like, yeah, you don't want to sing that anymore, mom. We won't talk about it all the time she's done that to me, but I remember one time. How, how much more than brothers and sisters, when we come to the words that we sing to the God of all the universe, should we be thoughtful in how we sing? That we should sit down with the words and say, what is it that I'm actually communicating to him and to others that are sitting around me? So that we can sing well. I'm so thankful for Nathan. I, you all don't get to see this during the week, but the, the amazing amount of time that he spends in the Word and then that he spends trying to thoughtfully pick songs that communicate well to us the truth that is there. I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for Frank and Lana who did it before him and those that have done it before them and those that have done it before them that they lead us well to the throne, to understand that the songs that we sing proclaim truths of who he is and what he has done. We sing thoughtfully, and we sing joyfully. We sing joyfully. Notice back in, in Psalm 98, and again, this isn't the only place that this is proclaimed, surely in the psalm, but it says, sing the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Down to verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Sing praises to the Lord. Let the sea roar. I'm skipping around a little bit, but you get in the idea. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. When we sing, we should sing with joy, with an excitement, with an exuberance. Now, Let me qualify that. That doesn't always mean the songs that we sing are happy songs. Joy and happiness are not always together. You read through the psalm and there are plenty of songs of lament, of grief, of sorrow. There are times that we experience things in life and we sing good spiritual songs through tears of mourning. But we have a hope 
We have a peace. We have a promise that the world doesn't understand that allows us to have joy even in the most difficult of times. And so we sing with joy even in the midst of difficult things. We sing with joy. I want to end with with this. That as we sing, let us not be outdone. As you look at Psalm 98, it says, make a, in verse 4, it says, make a joyful noise to all, all, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills in it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. As we think about singing, as we think about worshiping him through this manner, creation participates with us. Whether it be the most distant star or the smallest atom, whether it be the single cell organism or whether it be the largest whale, whether it be the wind or the waves, God's creation proclaims his great worth and it joins us in the song of all of heaven. Creation joins in. And as we think about that, as we look upon that, we remember that God will be praised. Even if we are silent, God will be praised for who he is and what he has done. It reminded me this week of Luke chapter 19. In Luke 19, we have the triumphal entry. Jesus is entering Jerusalem for the last time. He's days away from the cross But in this last moment, in this last time coming into that holy city, his disciples, and not just the 12, but the multitudes that have been following him, they praise him as the king that he is. And as he rides into town, it says this in verse 36, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if they, these were silent, the very stones would cry out. There's a song that was written back in the late 70s. It says, I will make a joyful noise. I will sing a joyful song that is pleasing to the ear of the Lord. That is pleasing to the ear of the Lord. And then, apologies for the grammar, but it says... Ain't going to let no rock help praise me. Ain't going to let it sing in my place. Ain't going to let no rock out praise me. Ain't going to let it sing in my place. Brothers and sisters, as we come together to declare the glories of the Lord, let us not be outdone by a rock. Let us not be outdone by the waves and the wind. 
Let us sing of his praise with all that we have, with all that we have known, with all that he has given us and the grace he has shown. Let us not be outdone. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up, and we're just going to have a time of response. A, a good and right response today, surely, would be for us to, to hear this song, to think of its words carefully, and to respond in singing to him with all that we are. But there may be some here as well that I know. There may be some here as well that the, the proper response for you is to not sing but it is to pray to the Lord Most High, Father, forgive me when I have been outdone. Father, forgive me when I have not been thoughtful in the words that I sing. Father, forgive me when I have not worshiped with all that I am. Maybe it's you're here and you've never understood why, why we sing. And now you realize, wait, it's because they've experienced something. It's because of a, something that they have, a relationship they have. And you're like, I don't have that. And today you need to pray to him and ask him, Father, God, I want to follow you. I want to have that relationship. If that's you this morning, then I would encourage you to pray that prayer and then come find somebody. The first step of obedience in following him is to tell somebody that you've done that so that we can walk alongside with you in that. Let me pray. Father, we come before you, and Father, we are indeed thankful. We are thankful that you have given us your word. We are thankful that you have given us great and glorious promises of eternity. We thank you that you have given us the ability and the opportunity to sing, that we may remember well all that you have done, that we may proclaim well all the glories of our God. Father, I pray that you would continue to use music in our lives to, to remind us of these things, to encourage us, to challenge us, to heal us. Father, I pray that we, would, that we would have a heart and a desire not to be outdone by the rest of creation, but that we would sing well. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ.